Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane Chain and Ellie back with you again. Today we are going to be talking about this past week of college football. It's week eight. Somehow we're already at week eight. Uh people have already played eight games. Sometimes or has anyone played nine? I think they've probably had a bye by now if they played week zero yeah, probably but at least this this uh, week was a big bye week so probably yeah so you know we are two-thirds through the regular season already in college football um seems a bit wild um let let's just kind of main takeaways that you guys have we have now seen these got some of these teams seven eight times like what what's the main takeaway for for this season I'll give my main takeaway. I don't think any team in college football is that good. Like, I don't think there's a great college football team this year. Um, I think Georgia has shown flaws. You know, Michigan hasn't played anyone. Maybe they, maybe they're it, but uh, I, you know, we don't know yet. And like a lot of these other teams, I State, Florida State, you know, Oklahoma, barely hanging on. Sometimes I, I just. I don't think there's a dominant college football team this year, which might make the playoff and the lead up kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to uh, say no, the exact same thing. I mean, it's, 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 it's really, there's so much parody and there has been so little parody for so long uh, at the top. And it's just like, no one is good. Um, like as soon as you think, you know, a team's good, they're just, they, they underperform the following week. And um and vice versa, uh, other than Michigan, who plays like absolutely no one the entire year uh, and cheats their way through those games. Um, other takeaway is like also Debbie wise, like uh, at least on my on my end, like uh, there are so many more players have disappointed than surprised this year. Um, and so like I, I talk about like having rose colored glasses in Debbie all the time and being wary of that. And like I, I feel victim to it. Like it feels like I feel good about so few prospects uh, at, right now, uh, as opposed to, especially compared to how I felt before the season. Yeah, I think I think those are both really good points. I think the other thing is that uh, I think with not only having. You know, some of these guys, especially offensive lines, defensive lines, be able to have that extra year in college through COVID um, has kind of hindered uh, breakouts a little bit from from some players that we have maybe expected a little bit earlier. In addition to, you know, I think players and, and the NIL and the transfer portal, that is making, I think, college football more fair. Now, you can disagree with me if you want, but 
I think all of this is making the teams a lot more even than they have in the past. And now feel free to disagree with me there, but um, the fact that you can pick up anyone, you know, in the transfer portal and, and sure, we know that the NIL is obviously going to uh, make good teams better. Um, but those are also the teams that are the largest portion of college football, right? The teams that make the most money, the teams that are on TV the most, all of those things, right? So I I think it's made college football better. Yeah, you know, I think, I think all three of our points kind of connect because I think for even for Nelly, the disappointment of Debbie players is tied to that. It's tied to that parody, to that transfer portal, to, hey, you know, a, a guy that you like could go somewhere else and not get the playing time or, you know, is is not in a system that's good for the NFL. Or it's like hard to know, you know, or there's always going to be competition. Like none of these running backs, but we're not having running backs that are breaking out as freshmen and then are dominant for three years. Like it's never going to happen again, right? They move up, they move down. Someone else comes in, shares the load. Like I think, I think it is good for college football. I think as Debbie players, it's changing our game a lot more than I thought it ever would. Yeah, I think it's it's a massive change. Um, let, let's just get right into uh, our main show here. Team up. Who's your team up this week, Shane? Team up this week. Um... You know, I'll 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 go I'll go a little homer. I'm gonna go Ohio State uh, beating Penn State. I don't think Penn State was a top ten team, even though they were ranked there before. A lot of Ohio State fans still not happy with how that win looked. I mean, Penn State was pretty inept. Um, but you know, this is an Ohio State team without Travion Henderson, without Amike Buka, without Denzel Burke. Um, that covered the spread and like got it done. You know, Kyle McCord is not. CJ Stroud or Justin Fields is a passer, uh, but the defense is playing well. And, you know, we know Marvin Harrison gets open every play. <laughs> you got to open every play um, that, you know, in that game. So, you know, I think, and we knew this before the season, like it was going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan. I don't think Penn State's beating Michigan. Honestly, it really doesn't matter if they do or not. It's going to come down to that final game. Um but I, I think it was a, a good win to feel for me to feel breathe a little bit that like I say it's not great. They're not this dominant team, um, but they are in, in a competitive team for the college football playoff with how the parody is right now. Nelly, how about you? Who's a uh, team up for you? Yeah, I think Alabama is somehow flying under the radar a little bit this year just because of how they started the year. But they just had a pretty solid win over Tennessee. I think they outscored Tennessee 27-0 in the second half after a slow start. Tennessee's a pretty solid football team. Uh, And Alabama's undefeated in the SEC right now. They have a home game this week against LSU. Um, If they win that game, they're going to go to the SEC title game and, like, as we talked about, Georgia is nothing special this year. It would be it would be really kind of ironic if in this year of parody, Alabama somehow squeaked out another title. And I think at this point, they're kind of being written off when they shouldn't be. Yeah, so I'm going to stay in the SEC East with my team up. So you were in the West. I'm going to go to the East here. Um, and it's Missouri. 
Now, you can say whatever you want about about Missouri at the beginning of the season, and uh, I would have agreed with you. Right? I would have not have assumed Brady Cook to play as well as he has. Luther Burden really to take that big step that we wanted to see from from a guy like that. Then you add in some ranked wins against Kansas State, against Kentucky. Obviously, they do have the loss against LSU. But uh, which big dog are they playing this week? The only game that matters to see if they make the SEC championship game. Uh, It's Mizzou, Georgia. Or, excuse me, Mizzou, Georgia in two weeks. So they have... They have a week to prepare. Um, on November fourth, they're going to be facing Georgia. Um, they're going to have that full week to kind of figure out what the game plan is against Georgia. Um, and I think that game is going to be really, really interesting because their defense, when they're on, they swarm to the ball. They're like Georgia light to me, um, and they have a good pass rush. If they can kind of get after this Georgia offensive line, that could be a game in two weeks. So I'm really curious. Um, you know, they're my they're my stock up. They have two ranked wins, um, and after Georgia, they have Tennessee. So I think it's going to be a really really interesting end of the season here for Mizzou. Uh, Shane, thoughts on either of those, or feel free to talk about your team down. I think it's the first time anyone's ever called Missouri uh, Georgia light. So that's that's a high high Just their You're defense. Right, yeah, the defense. They're, they're playing swarming. like they're, they're playing well. I have a, a Missouri player coming up in a little bit here, so I'm, I'm with you. Um, yep. My team down is I'm staying in the SEC as well. It's Arkansas. Arkansas sucks. Like they are terrible. Uh, they scored a whole three points against Mississippi State to lose seven to three. I have people on Twitter telling me that KJ Jefferson's a legitimate NFL prospect. He, he can't throw like rocket Sanders is back uh, and can't muster two yards per carry. Like the run game is non-existent um, at, at Arkansas. Like, like this, this was a team headed in the right direction that seemed like they had a lot of speed and the two good tight ends and, that have dealt with injuries. Um, but whew, it is, it is rough. Like, like Arkansas is not good. And I, I don't know how they get out of this, uh, get out of this hole. Nelly, your team down. Uh, pretty sure I talked about them the other direction last week, but it has to be North Carolina. I mean, losing to Virginia is like one of the worst losses of the year. That Virginia team is really bad. Tony, El- Tony Elliott is a terrible coach. Great coach. He beat North Carolina on the road. He must be terrible coach. Terrible coach. And UNC Ladenek at home. Like it's it, such it's such a bad loss. I it's I, I it's kind of hard to comprehend. Is that all of it? Just yeah. I mean, like, there's I, nothing I more. It. It's just like I mean, it's just like it, it's. They they have no business losing. I, I I still cannot explain it. Like it's just unbelievable. It's terrible. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> uh, my my team down. Um, oof. Now this is gonna sound bad, but I'm gonna try to 
explain it as much as I possibly can. Uh, and my team down is Florida State. Now, I think you're going to see the seven and zero record. You're going to see five and zero in the ACC, and you can be like, "This is a really great team." I feel like they're just eking out wins against teams. Like, if you're going to tell me that if Duke's quarterbacks don't get hurt, that Florida State wins by eighteen, nah, you you can't you can't tell me that, right? So. You know, they eke out a win against Clemson. They eke out a win against Boston College. Like, I, I what are we what are we doing? Like, how are they a top four team in the country? I I don't get it. The problem like, is who you, replaces you, either them. You have an answer. Like, I agree with you. Florida uh, State's not a top four team in the country, but like, there aren't four teams that are top four teams in the country. Washington's next up. They're not replacing them after this past week. You know what I mean? Texas, yeah. Texas, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't do anything. Fair. Yeah, it, it's rough. I mean, I yeah, Florida State's going to drop one at some point that they shouldn't. Like, it's coming. Yeah, and it's not like Oklahoma deserves that, right? It's not like Oklahoma deserves after barely beating who did they face? Uh, UCF. No, UCF. UCF. Yeah, and like I barely mean, the beating entire uh, top ten. It was terrible yeah. this week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I don't think they deserve to be a top four team just based on other top four teams we've seen. Not this year, but like every other year, right? Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's something. Oofta. Um, yeah. Let's, let's do a quick victory lap. Shane, uh, you want a victory lap real quick? Yeah, look, and I feel like I've victory lapping this player before. And. Uh, I think a lot of this goes to what Nelly talked about at the top of the show, just how many Debbie players have disappointed. Cause like this Debbie player, I don't think it's been that good, but it's Braylon Allen, the running back of Wisconsin. Um, you know, if you watched the game against Illinois, Illinois, uh, I mean, they just, handed, it was like Luke Fick was like, all right, let's throw out this offense that I put in place. Like, let's go back to what Wisconsin does. And they just started handing the ball to Braylon Allen and you saw that you know two hundred and and forty five pounds running four five four just like running through guys right running through NFL prospects. I I, I think he's the clear RB one in this class. Like I I think it's pretty obvious that Braylon Allen's he's going to test out of this world for his size and be the RB one. Is he a first round pick? There isn't a running back worth a first round pick. I'm not going to take the victory lap because I've I've had him as RB one in this class since before the college season. It's really looking that way, um, especially with the receiving that he's done this year. And I think I think people are just just want to sleep on him to I don't know keep Travion Henderson or Rocket Sanders there who haven't performed. Like I, I don't know unless unless like uh, some one of these wild cards like a Jonathan Brooks out of Texas takes it could happen. Um, I think Braylon Allen's there. Uh, so this is going to sound like two victory laps, but it's really is just one. 
I just first want to mention when you talk about Braylon Allen, I told people before the season started that Longo is a terrible offensive coordinator. I've been screaming this from the mountaintops. He's a terrible offensive coordinator, and they've looked awful. Like, they haven't looked like a 5-6 win team right now, right? Like, they haven't looked yeah. good. Uh, when you can't figure out this many weeks into the season other than this week to just give the ball to Braylon Allen, just have him run the ball, like, I can't help you there, right? Um, but to my actual victory lap, like, and no one likes to victory lap, you know, the players after they have a down week. No one likes it except for me. And I, I've been trying to tell you that Drew Allar is not that good. I've, and and I, your, your guys' argument, which is I think is fair, is that he was the only one in that class that's actually played okay. Right? Like, and that's a solid argument. Um, but I don't think he was ever like this this top tier guy that that everyone's been like screaming about, um, especially when he was just throwing touchdowns against really bad teams. Um, so that's my victory lap. I'm gonna go ahead and just take it, uh, Nilly. Who you got? Obviously, you're not victory lapping Drew Lar, but no, I'm not victory lapping Drew Lar. Uh, I will victory lap Bucky Irving who I, I've talked about this season already, but just continues to produce again in a season where a lot of the running backs are disappointing. Bucky Irving continues to produce. He had 100, 150 plus yards this past week uh, in the air and on the ground combined. He had three, three more touchdowns and he's undersized, right? Like there's no getting around that, but he is consistently proven that he is a good football player and ultimately, that is like the most important trait, right? Like he's not going to be someone who goes on day one or early day two, but he's someone who at this point is proving that he belongs on an NFL football field. He's he's yeah, getting very close to my top 10 running backs in the class and probably should be there. Um, and to comment on Drew Allar, is this 2025 quarterback class going to be like the worst ever? It's going to be uh, like if Shadur Sanders goes class. in the NFL. Yes, if yeah, Shadur I mean, Sanders he, goes in this class, it's even if he bad. doesn't, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he saves it. You know, like I don't, he hasn't Fair. played that well recently. Like it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough if Shadur Sanders has to be your savior. Uh, yeah, you certainly is. Um. Let's, uh, what are we doing now? We're doing two players to monitor. Uh, Shane, who you got? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, uh, let's go with the Mizzou Tigers. Cody Schrader, the running back for Missouri, uh, 159 yards, two touchdowns this week. He has consistently been producing for that offense now with, you know, Luther Burden's the guy in Debbie who rightfully so broke out. He's the best receiver in the 25 class. Like, you got to target him. Cody Schrader has been kind of the consistent force on that offense. Um, dominated South Carolina, dominated LSU in their loss. I, I think he's getting into draftable range for the NFL. You know, so if you have Cody Schrader on the C2C team, uh, I think he becomes valuable. You know, keep an eye on him. He's not like super athletic or super fast, to eat, but he's, sh- and I always like the, I like the short, but built. You know, he's short, but strong. Um, so I think, I think he could be a day three pick and, and maybe have some NFL value. 
Uh, Nelly, who's uh, a player that you're monitoring here? Yeah, Trey Harris at Ole Miss, the wide receiver, has caught my eye. He's a transfer from um, oh, what is it? Louisiana Tech, where he had almost 1,000 yards this past year. But I, in games that he's been healthy, he left one game early, but in games that he's been healthy, he's averaging over 100 re- receiving yards a game. Uh, he's 6'2", 205. Uh, they, they scheme him the ball a little bit, but he's also a, a deep threat. So um, he's someone who's kind of – I mean, Ole Miss – um, they, they tend to feature that main guy and not many people thought it'd be Trey Harris. Uh, I also did not think it would be Trey Harris, but he's been, he's been good this year. Uh, I am going to, uh, I know this sounds terrible, but I'm, I'm going to talk about a gopher here. Um, I think one player to monitor that's really, really interesting is a senior wide receiver. It's Daniel Jackson, like Corey Crooms. I can't catch a ball, which granted most of them were behind him. So I understand it, Corey. I know you listen to this podcast. Like I get it. They were behind you. Ethan's terrible. I get it. Uh, but Daniel Jackson is open every play, every single play. And this is like the Daniel Jackson that people have been hoping for since freshman year. Like he, this is finally like, he's had a couple big breakout games, but against such a good defense to go seven for one one against Iowa is difficult and um they're gonna be facing a really bad team in michigan state i want them to throw the ball more and keep building on what uh what daniel jackson did in this game but i think he's one to monitor um, especially you know if he gets that senior bowl invite um he's that guy that's going to be uh just winning one-on-ones over and over again um he's a six pound or six foot tall 200 pound guy um just really really good Shane, just out of curiosity, is he on your NFL radar yet? Um, not not quite there, but I think getting there. And Senior Bowl likes their Gophers; they do like bringing some Gophers in, so could happen. It's true. Who's your uh, second guy here? This is a player I never thought in a million years that I would say we have to monitor, but I think we have to start monitoring him. He had a bye week this week. It's Graham Mertz, the quarterback for Florida. Like after Graham Mertz last year. It's like, this guy is terrible. Why did Florida bring him in? Uh, but, I mean, he's he's tough. He's like that old-school quarterback that I think NFL teams love. He's played pretty well. He has Georgia uh, this week. If he plays well against Georgia, like, I don't think Grimmerich is going to the, the, you know, is necessarily going to the NFL. I think he can finagle one more year, uh, COVID, the COVID year out. Um you know, he, he could be on the NFL radar in a year. So, like, just keep, keep an eye. I have to think he's going to fall apart at some point. But uh, maybe Graham Mertz can Kenny pick at it. And we're, you know, we're all just amazed that he can make it there. Nelly, how about you? Um, Permission to talk about a tight end? Yes. Yes, please. Sure. I'm going to go Cade Stover at Ohio State. Um, has done a pretty good job this year as an outlet for Kyle McCord. Had stepped, had to step into a slightly bigger role with Amika Ibuka out recently and has been performing. Um, I think he's another guy who could see a senior bowl bump. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really see his name mentioned. He's probably not on Devi rosters, but I bet you he'll be on an NFL roster. This yeah. 
if you're listening to this the day it comes out tonight on the Draft Countdown podcast, we're counting down our top five tight ends. He's my tight end three in this class. I mean, it's because the tight end class is pretty bad, but he's playing like that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give you a, a guy that I think we need to monitor. Now, He he's a wide receiver at James Madison. He's our guy, Reggie Brown. Um, so far this season, 26 receptions, a big play guy, 549 yards, uh, four touchdowns. He's averaging, you know, 21 yards. Uh, a reception like absolutely crazy um but i think he's really really interesting because he's he's starting to get open on a few different route trees um he is a senior so i'm curious to see if he kind of gets that uh, small school love at at a um some sort of shrine bowl or the senior bowl or something like that um but if he continues to kind of put up these numbers and he he because he's on pace for um just I have a thousand yards. If he really crushes and gets, you know, over a thousand yards and ends up with nine, 10 touchdowns, I think he get, is a really interesting name for, for kind of the six, seventh round sleeper that, that we try to look for at what, at the wide receiver position going into the NFL. Um, any, any thoughts on any of that before uh, Shane teaches us something? No, I love, I love, I love all you guys. Uh, Reggie Brown's interesting. I like it. All right, Shane, go ahead and teach us something. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about uh, a a president here that resided in the White House from 1923 to 1929. That's the 30th president, Harry Truman. Uh, not not too far off. It's kind of close. A little yeah. little a little earlier than Truman. Right. We're we're going Calvin Coolidge here. You you a Calvin Coolidge fan? Okay. Uh, I I really I believe he was instrumental in the refrigerator. <laughs> just just cooling that thing down. Um, yep, he gets it. Generally, you know, historians vote him as one of the best Republican presidents ever, um, outside of Abraham Lincoln, and. His nickname was Silent Cal. He was the president during the Roaring Twenties. So he kind of got credit for the boom of the Roaring Twenties. And, you know, it was pretty hands-off with a lot of things um, that, you know, maybe led to the Great Depression, but we won't kind of get into that. Um, his nickname was Silent Cal. He did not talk. He did not like to make speeches. Had some of the shortest, uh, one of the shortest inaugural addresses in U.S. history. Very short speeches. And so, you know, presidents have like dinner parties at the White House. You have kind of big galas events at the White House often. And one of the, um, the you know, the story goes in some of these biographies that some of the things that some of the, you know, uh, socialite women would do were would make bets if they could get Calvin Coolidge to talk, like actually talk to them. Um, and so this one story, it's probably more myth than reality in terms of these specifics. But uh, at one of the, these dinner parties, you know, a woman said to him, hey, you know, I'm kind of out loud in public. I made, I made a bet that I could get you to say three words tonight uh, to me. And, and Calvin Coolidge's response was, you lose. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's, so is I, that technically three words? You it lose? It is not. It's not. Only two. 
Oh, I thought you said you'll lose. No, yeah, you lose. Yep, and that's and even you'll lose is still two words. That's it. Two and English a half. major here. No, We're not playing so, that. Game. I don't know how legit that is, but uh, I, I like that story. So that's a baller move. Yeah, just I like that a lot. Cold. I'll never be able to do it. Imagine <laughs> no. me just talking only two words for a night. Boof. Gonna try nightmare. that at the FF um, Expo next year. It's so easy. You just have to give me a like a sniff of alcohol and I'll talk. <laughs> um, but uh, let's go into our buy sells unknown stocks. Um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first here. Um, my buy is uh, over at Washington. Now, and it's the wide receiver, but it's not gonna be the wide receiver you're thinking of. Um, I want to talk about Jalen Polk. Now, if you are in a C2C league, I think it's definitely worth, not only are you buying the points for this year, um, but I assume he probably doesn't, like we have another year out of him. Um, so give me give me that, because um, he's just a sophomore, right, Shane? Or am I wrong? He... I think he has another year of eligibility. He has been there for um, – he has been in college football for a, a little while, though. I think he's been there for four years. So, Yeah, did a year at Tech, and this is his third year at, uh, at Washington. Washington. So it's four years, so he can go back. He probably will. I, I assume he'll go back. Um, he's just played really, really well. Um, he has been like the perfect complement to a guy like Romeo Dunze. This guy also not small. Six two two zero four, like just uh, he's he's played so so well and almost like taken over that second spot even while Jalen McMillan was healthy. Uh, Jalen Polk has kind of taken over that number two wide receiver role and and has really been battling Romeo Dunze for for that kind of spot as kind of who is the main wide receiver. Um, I think Polk's been really, really good. It's a guy that we definitely have to have on our radars. But now I think he's on the radar as an NFL wide receiver rather than just a CFF name. Um, so I think uh, if you're buying him, you're getting now getting a double, a double dose. Um, my sell right now, um, oof, it's tough um, because everyone's been awful. Um, you know, my my sell, I think, is especially in a C2C league, if you have someone that really likes Shudder Sanders, I think you need to go ahead and just move off him, especially if someone thinks that he's going to be an NFL quarterback. Um, I know the hope from for him to potentially save the 2025 class in my mind uh, because they're that bad at the quarterback position, but um, I don't think he's... What he was before like the first few weeks people were saying that he could be a top five pick like that that's just not gonna happen um so i think uh he's he's a sell for me and then um my unknown stock i'm gonna flip over to the uh, nfl side actually and i want to talk about aaron Rodgers. like he's a complete unknown to me because there's you know he's talking that he would like to return this season uh, does he play another year? I don't know, right? If he's able to come back this season, does he just call it quits after that? I I don't know, and I don't know if it's worth, you know, 
holding the bag as it were on on a player like that that's just going to retire on you um, when you have to give up a pick to go get him so uh which which one do you guys want to go next uh yeah i can go next my buy is rasheed rice wide receiver for the kansas city chiefs someone we've been talking about on this podcast for a while since he was at smu last year I think he's the best receiver on that team. I think, uh, yeah, and I said it before, even before this week, but Patrick Mahomes, the trust is building. Rasheed Rice is unique. He's going to be the wide receiver one by the fantasy playoffs on the Chiefs, and I think it's going to be gangbusters moving forward. I paid in a tight end premium Luke Musgrave a second and a third for him, um, mid to late second and third, like – Give me that in a heartbeat. Uh, I think Richie Rice is really, really good. I sell, you know, Arkansas was my team down. Sell Rocket Sanders now. He's probably going to have to stay in school. He's probably not going to have that backfield to himself. Like, is he going to transfer somewhere? Is it going to be somewhere good? You know, I would, I'd give a little bit, you know, with him for Braylon Allen. I would trade him. Trade Rocket Sanders for James Cook. There's still, I see it on Twitter. There's still people that still like buy in that haven't paid attention this year in college football. Like you got to sell them now if you have them. Uh, absolutely. And my unknown is a, a Nelly guy here. Um, Dallin Hayden, running back for Ohio State. I think he's really good. And he had kind of was forced to play, not against Penn State, uh, but the week before. And you know, he, he was fairly dominant in that game against Purdue. They just want to play him in four games max to redshirt him, but it looks like Dallin Hayden's likely the number one running back at Ohio State. Um, so I, you know, I think it's named to be on the radar. Maybe it's projecting a little bit that, like, oh, he's going to be a stud or whatever. Like, maybe, you know, maybe we're going a bit too far, but Dallin Hayden – you know, if, if someone took him in Debbie already, I don't know what that price tag looks like. If it's worth trying to buy, but might be something to look at. All right, Nelly, how about you? Uh, I'm going to try and buy Cedric Baxter this week. Uh, obviously, the raw numbers haven't been what some people had hoped for for uh, the top running back in the freshman freshman class, but um he's he's gotten healthy he was injured for part of the season and has looked pretty good in in basically backup role to jonathan brooks and i think there might be some owners some managers who are down on him just for his raw season totals but it'll be his backfield next year um and he's going to be the guy and i think he still uh has high has a super high ceiling with his size and athleticism and uh receiving ability um Kind of in a similar vein, but on the other side of the coin for my sell, I'm I'm selling Nick Singleton, uh, who is that athletic, um, kind of high ceiling prospect. But I'm getting a little impatient, waiting for that ceiling to materialize. He's being outproduced on a on a touch basis by uh, Katron Allen this year, um, and has just not really taken that step forward from his freshman year. Um, and I mean. Uh, some people probably have him as their top Debbie running back 
in college football right now. And it's just hard to see that. So at that price tag, I'll sell. Uh, my unknown is Matthew Golden, wide receiver at Houston. Um, he, he's he's a really weird prospect because like the raw production is decent, but Houston passes the ball a ton, and he's like in a three-headed committee at wide receiver. I don't even think he leads Houston in receiving, but he's super dynamic in the in the return game. He has a couple returns, return touchdowns as he already. And if you just watch him play, he moves different. It it almost feels as though Houston you uh misuses him offensively. Like they he's not on the field for all the snaps. It's it's a little bit confusing. Um but he he moves like like you watch him with the ball in his hand and he just he it, it, he catches your eye. So um I don't know. He's someone who like quantitatively is not someone who I would be interested in, but like it's it's hard not to to fall in love with him when you watch him play. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, that is it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. Just want to say thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate every single one of you.